record. Done. Hello, Erica. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Angela. It's such a pleasure to be here. So I want to let's start a, this conversation. So this statement comes from you. Mm-hmm. Movement is an exploration of possibility, an opportunity to be in deep connection and conversation with ourselves a chance to see ourselves through compassionate eyes that are brimming with curiosity and kindness. They're your words because I took them off your website. (laughs) What does that mean? What does that mean? I wrote those words a little while ago, but when you read them back, I'm like, I, yeah, that's still still 100% what I think. Um, So what that really means is I think that we've been given a view of movement and exercise that is really kind of wrapped up in how we look, um, what, you know, we should be doing, um, kind of regimented and mm-hmm. and uh, like a ticker box kind of activity. Yeah. And to me, that connection that we can explore between our mind and our body as we move, you know, and and that's not necessarily exercise, but it might be, is something that can just change our relationship with ourselves. And so when we can be with ourselves with kindness and when we can do that through a lens of curiosity, it just completely changes the reasons why we move, I think. Um, And it can change our relationship with ourselves and with our body because it's no longer about kind of me versus my body or Mm -hmm. me trying to to make my body smaller or to fit it into some kind of um, structure that I've been told it has to fit into. Um, It becomes about a, a conversation with ourselves. It becomes about something that we don't do simply because we should, although there might be a desire there to care for ourselves or something like that. But it is it just it it changes it just changes our relationship with our body and with ourselves in such a profound way because it's not about um yeah being an adversary yeah. to ourselves and you kind of actually just answered just about every question I was about going to ask you <laughs> so it's over okay, so. Yeah. <laughs> because this is a big thing movement versus exercise mm. because we've kind of you know we've, I think we've all kind of been taught we've we have to exercise and of course movement is important our body was designed to move but it was this like we've got to be pushing it out and I know for me over the years it's always about doing the biggest moves possible I used to do Mm. you know lots of weights and Mm -hmm. I used to do you know I used to be you know when pump first came out I was the one front row with the heaviest weights on I was lifting and I was pounding them out and and I because I really like you know being the feeling of having that weight on me and you know that's part of how my body is but it's like Mm. we've just got to get stronger and stronger and fitter and fitter and it's like it's almost a real masculine drive Mm. as opposed to a softness which is a bit of more feminine which is allowing ourselves to move and to be yeah and it's interesting you know I lift weights I have like a weight a weight um, corner in my room and my house and I I love lifting weights um, and I don't mind cracking a sweat and I don't mind you know all those things but I think the difference so the difference between movement and exercise is a really interesting one because we don't think of them as being distinct from each other but they are and I think it's an important distinction 
exercise is something that we do with a very particular kind of outcome in mind. We, you know, we might do it to get stronger to, um, if we've had an injury, we might do it to rehab. Um, we might do it to change the way that our body looks. Um, we might do it for cardiovascular health. Like there might be all these reasons why we would exercise movement though, is can be anything can be any form of movement. It can be getting up from your desk and walking you know, the two meters to the kitchen to, to make a cup of tea. It can be rolling around on the floor. It can be um, moving just because you feel pleasure in that movement. And like movement is the language that our body speaks. There is no two ways about that. That is how our body communicates with our brain. It's how our brain then, you know, it, movement is an input to our brain and it's an output. And so movement is just a vital part of, of feeling um, comfortable in our body. And yet, we have all these ideas around the rules of what what mm-hmm. constitutes, you know, um, movement that is enough. And because that is genu- generally quite wrapped up in exercise culture, it can look like believing that it has to take 60 minutes or it has to crack a sweat or it has to be the heaviest weights or it has to be, you know, done in your active wear. It doesn't count if you're still wearing your jeans. Like there's all these rules that we, we maybe consciously or unconsciously subscribe to. Um, and so I think, you know, as much as I, and I do, I, I love exercise as well as movement, but I probably would think of myself as more of a movement teacher than an exercise coach mm. um, because it is about that relationship that we are building with ourselves. And I think because there's so much stuff and so much baggage wrapped around exercise culture, sometimes learning how to be kind to ourselves is, is more easily um, achieved or broached through movement than it is through exercise because it can be kind of hard to go from being that person at the front of the pump class who who believes that that is the way yeah. you know um to then be like sort of to be able to understand the how how to shift you could be st- because this is the thing that's really cool about movement and exercise and self-kindness the same movement you know we could be doing the same thing and one of us could be doing it through a kindness lens one of us could be doing it to punish ourselves for what we ate yesterday or whatever nobody looking from the outside would be able to tell the difference because the movement isn't the thing that makes it kind it's the way that we approach it so I often talk about the fact that you know my version of movement what I teach isn't that isn't self-kind movement that just happens to be that I teach the movement through a self-kind lens Mm. but I absolutely have done yoga and Pilates and and even somatics at times through a lens of like self-punishment it's different and it's um and so it's a mindset probably more than a modality of of actual movement yeah and I know that I've had to learn to be kinder to myself with exercise Mm -hmm. because as I said I used to be the one I mean I always used to push myself I've always moved and I, I pushed and pushed and pushed but as I got older my body started to break down yeah, it couldn't keep up, and you know, and I've had hip issues, I've had knee issues because you know, just I mean, I used to be a ballet dancer, and you know, being a ballet dancer oh. is pretty punishing on the body. Yeah, yeah. When you're younger, and the way we were taught in those days was about having this big turnout, which doesn't do your hips, doesn't do your knees any good whatsoever because bones didn't grow straight and all of this stuff, which is coming back to kind of haunt me now. And and but even now, sometimes. I'm kind of when I'm doing your classes or I'm doing other classes, it's like I'm trying. It's there's almost like this this competition, and I don't compete with other people, but I compete with who I used to be. Mm-hmm. 
because in the past I used to be able to do all of this stuff, but now I can't. Yeah. And it's it's being kind to myself and saying, okay, where your body is right now is exactly where it needs to be. And yep. yes, I've got injuries, but I can still be nice to my body and it will get the strength that it requires to do what I want to do because I love hiking. So my yes. big thing is about getting you know strength so that I can hike. But I don't do that by pushing my body and punishing my body to be doing things beyond its limits. Smaller movements, because this was a big aha, smaller <laughs> movements can sometimes have a bigger difference than trying to do those big hero moves. You know, it's Absolutely. like it's okay to do the subtle movement sometimes. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> it's more than okay. Movements. It's wonderful. <laughs> those subtle movements can, you know, I have worked up a sweat. I used to work mm. with a trainer um, and he would just have me like sitting on a ball and just rocking my pelvis backwards and forwards yes. for 20 minutes. And I would break out in such a sweat. Yeah. <laughs> concentration sweat as much as anything that's the thing but that's the thing that that I guess those bigger um you know you call them hero movements those big bold movements that we do they don't um necessarily increase our skill at moving sometimes they do and and I'm very much you know I, I very much try to exist in the space in between extremes so I I try not to swing the pendulum too far and kind of have like a very extreme view on anything but um and so I see place. I see a place for both. I, you know, there's room for everything. But you you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's like where your body is, and not even even if you can't accept that it's where it needs to be, it's where it is. Yeah. You know, like there is no arguing with that reality. You are where you are, and I think that when we learn to be compassionate to ourselves and to to be like in relationship with ourselves in a way that says like, what is it that you need? Then even if we're doing those those bigger movements or we're pushing, like there is still a place for push, but it's not punishment. When we are clear on what we need, then how we do it um, is, you know, it, that, that's where the magic lies. It's about how we do it. It's not necessarily about what we're doing, but like what, what attitude are you bringing to it? What, how are you talking to yourself in the process? And, you know, it's not like we flick a switch and then it's like, I'm nice to myself all the time. I'm the <laughs> kindest person in the world. Like I still have moments, days, weeks at a time where it's like, gosh, I'm really struggling to find the compassion for myself right now. Um, but we just keep trying, you know, that's that's ultimately the, the, the big secret is that there is no secret. You just keep trying. <laughs> well, as you're talking, what keeps coming into my mind is, the way children move. Yeah. Children, unless we kind of make them, don't exercise. They move. They move. And they think about it. And they do what they can do within their own limits, but they don't bash them, you know, they don't beat themselves up because they can't climb to the next rung. They'll keep trying and trying and ask for help till they get there. Yeah. But they don't kind of turn around and tell themselves that they're not good enough because they can't do it. Not until someone in the schoolyard says, I can do it better than you. Yeah. But, yep, 100%. You know, but naturally, kids just move. And, we, you know, because when I was, once again, when I was training with my trainer, who was a Czech trainer, I had to go back and learn a lot of the primitive movements. Yes. Because we, as adults, we lose these basic movements that children can do, you know, like a squat yeah. for their, you know, I couldn't do a squat. If kids I don't think about it. Yeah, <laughs> like, kids don't think about it. They just do it, you know, and mm-hmm. you see what they can do. And 
you know, it's like somewhere along the way we lost the joy of movement mm-hmm. because we grew up and then all of a sudden we were in these formal exercise or whatever. It's like yeah. we need it's, it's like where's the child in us again? Yes. And so much, you know, so much of what I teach as well is going back to those base base movement patterns that we have and we forget that our body is a vehicle to explore through you know it's how we experience the world and being able to squat down and and inspect something on the floor or to be able to like just relish in the feeling of like what it feels like to reach through a limb like that can feel amazing um but we we limit our movement in such a way that we kind of forget that 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 movement piece counts and that it's actually important we kind of dismiss it and it's just like well you know only exercise counts or only this counts or only that counts and and yeah we don't we don't really allow ourselves that pleasure through our through our body through movement through exploring our world and um I think it is it's when you you stop being able to do something that you love like you know you say you want to be able to hike um I ski and I want to be able to ski and I want to be able to you know kind of just like keep up with people I don't want to be the one that's left behind and and I think that when we are clear on that it becomes a little bit easier too because it's like so much of what I think gets in our way when it comes to movement and exercise is is relying on that feeling of like I should and mm-hmm. and you know I'm going to feel guilty if I don't do it and um that doesn't serve us it really does doesn't serve us no, it, it doesn't, doesn't get us where no. we want to be and and it just makes us miserable whether we do it or we don't so um shifting that lo- like shifting that focus and being like well I really want to be able to hike so what's the kind thing that's going to support my body to be able to help me to do the things that I find joy in? Um, it's not about beating ourselves up for, you know, what we choose or what we don't choose to do. And I think that that's really important. And, you know, like maybe hiking is not somebody else's thing. And so they're like, oh, should I want to have to, like, should I want to hike? No, like, what's your thing? Do you want to be able to dance? Do you want to be able to, you know, rollerblade? Like, what is the thing that you want to be able to do? Yeah, exactly. Whatever it might be. Or simply like get up the stairs without feeling like fearful that you're going to fall. Without having to push yourself. That's right. It doesn't have to be a big flashy thing you might just be like I want to be able to get off the toilet when I'm older and like not be pro- that not be problematic yeah great and that That's was actually really good that was thing. a big thing for me when I when I was having because I had I have had one hip replaced mm. um, and when I was having lots of problems with my hip and I you know I was doing rehab I was doing everything and my goal when I same trainer again I work with the same trainer for a long mm. time um, he said what when I first started working with him he said what's your goal I said my goal is to be able to put my pants on standing mm-hmm. up. Yeah, not have to sit Undies down to do it. Standing up and without having to wobble. Now I can actually put my um, I can put my undies on after the shower, stand on one <laughs> foot and then the other foot, and yeah, not. But going. it's a good, it's a big deal. Like that's a right. we, you, I was you know, sitting down. You want to do that? The only way I could do it to start with because I was in so much pain was to sit down, yeah. and when I go to the toilet, I would push myself up off the toilet. Yes. And I'm going, hang on, at that stage, I was was a few years ago, so I was, what, 55? This is what I am at 55. What am I going to be like at 75 if yeah, I'm like right. this? And that's when I, because I was been putting off having the hip replaced mm. for a long time because I'm going, no, oh, no, don't do that, don't do that. You can manage it other ways, but I actually, no, I, don't, I want to be able to move. I want to yeah, be able right. to get off the toilet. I want to be able to get out of a chair without having to use my arms. 
I mean, my yes. upper body was so strong with the amount of weight. You could I was just push. In. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've got a lot of, I have a lot of clients who've had hip replacements and um, I know plenty of yoga teachers who've had hip replacements. And I think the, this idea of meeting ourselves with kindness extends to these, these challenges that we face, because the reality is we live in human bodies and things are going to go wrong and things are going to feel less than optimal and things are going to wear out and things are going to have to be sorted out by means that may not be our first choice. And, you know, we could spend a lot of time feeling guilt and shame and and like what ifs about the fact that we need to have a hip replaced. But the reality is like sometimes that is the kindest thing that we can yeah. do as well to regain the movement that we that we've lost. So you know, but I will say I'm putting off getting the other one done. The other one, yeah. I, I do classes with you to get that because that one's still fine. <laughs> that one's okay. mm, mm-hmm. Oh, it's still got a bit yeah. of osteoarthritis in it, but nowhere near as bad as the other one. But mm. let's somatic movement. What what mm. is somatics? I mean, somatics is about, it's, it means feeling, doesn't it? Yeah, so soma is the, the, the meaning, the definition of soma is like to experience yourself from the inside out. Um, and, the, and the word somatic is used in a lot of different ways, actually. So um, there's like somatic therapy, which is a different thing to what I do. Um, there's, you know, somatic experiencing. There's all these different ways of using that word. But the, the way that I, um, the, the modality that I'm trained in is called somatic exercise. And it comes from um, a man called Thomas Hanna. Um, and Hanna somatics is kind of like the, the overarching idea. And if you've ever done anything like... Um, uh, now I've just completely forgotten the word. It comes from another lineage anyway. And, and this idea that it really is ultimately about neuroscience. <laughs> um, so, so somatic exercise is simply a way of moving that incorporates something called pandiculation. And pandiculating is the best way to describe that is like yawning. So, you know, when you yawn and you yeah. reach your arms and there's that moment of like, you sort of feel like you're stretching. Um, a pandiculation is simply taking the muscles into a state of contraction, shortening them, and then like slowly and, and um, in a kind of like, uh, kind of fashion releasing them. And the the kind of theory behind it is that when we do that in a conscious way through movement and, and through, you know, somatic exercise classes, when we consciously take the muscles into contraction and then slowly and smoothly release them, that we're essentially able to, it's a little bit like turning your phone off and on again, <laughs> software research, <laughs> a little bit of a reboot, because what happens is our brain is in control of all of the muscles, right? Our brain controls our movement output. And what can happen is when we're in a chronically tight space, say, you know, and I always give the example of the shoulders because it's the easiest one to think about. And we all have that feeling of like wearing our shoulders as earrings. If we spend enough time with our shoulders up around our ears, our brain will register that as kind of like the place where they get held. You know, it sort of just becomes the set point. And so we might stretch that muscle desperately trying to get relief and the body goes yeah that's cool you might get a few minutes of relief and then the shoulder just comes back up because your brain's in control it's saying but this is where it lives Mm. right like this is where you this is where you hold it so this is obviously where you want it um and so through the process of somatics we we get to explore different options and because it's done in a very conscious way it's almost like your brain says oh there's a different way we could do this. There's a different place that that muscle could be held. Um, so we're not, you know, when we stretch and stuff, we're not actually changing the length of our muscles. They, they are static mm-hmm. um, in the sense that they have an origin and they have an insertion and they are the same length always. Um, 
what we're doing is we're changing the way that our brain will give us access to that that muscle, the way that the brain will allow us to to experience that. And so somatics is changing our brain-body relationship just by paying attention. And ultimately, you know, that's how I think of it is it's, um, it's, it's paying attention, it's noticing sensation, and then it's giving the brain and the body an opportunity to find alternative pathways to what they are habituated to. Because the idea is that, you know, we have very habitual ways of moving. We move much the same all the time. And some of those ways that we have of moving, I mean, all of them are adaptive in the sense that we've done them to keep ourselves functioning in the world so you know in the instance of your hip or you know i've got a knee that i've injured multiple times skiing um our bodies adapt to that they they change the way that they move in order to protect that harm you know that injured part of us and that works but then at some point everything's healed and we're still moving in a way that kind of compensates for that injury or compensates might not be an injury you know like i held both my kids on the same hip for freaking years like it feels like a a million years but it was several um or you know phone on your shoulder that back in the day when we didn't have mobiles or airpods um any of those things they they become habits and they become like very well-worn paths and so somatics is kind of like a way of getting off the beaten path of your habits the way that you move and reminding us our muscles our brain our body that we have alternate pathways that we can that we can use and the the magic i guess there is is not magic at all it's just science but we through that that sort of process of discovery and and curiosity and and finding these pathways we're proving our capacity to use our body well we're proving our capacity to move through a range with control and when we do that our brain says hey she's really good at this we actually can use this body part in a way that like we didn't even know. So then we get that, you know, sort of of talking about brain movement being an input and an output. We're changing the input by changing the way that we move. And then the output changes, which is usually a reduction in tension um, or pain. Yeah. And I need to do more of that because I will walk with a limp because my hips, because I've got one new one. Mm-hmm. One old one and the old one wasn't working really so I had a knee operation um many many years ago and I was basically told and a muscle was removed from my leg and I was told that that mm. I was told by the physio that leg will never be the same again so mm. I then favored the other leg for 20 mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. until basically that hip gave out because it done everything for 20 years and that yeah. other leg kind of just hung around and yeah. just came along for the ride and I had, and I'm still doing it. I have had to learn, relearn to use this leg that and the hip that I have not used for over 20 yes. years. And that's why I do your classes yeah. because it's still there. And I, it's, I still limp on it and I still get some pain in it. But yeah. the more it's just like, it just, you're, you're right. It's just like retraining the brain, the brain to kind of know when I'm not thinking about it, I just go into a limp and people yes. say, oh, you're limping. I don't feel the limp. Yeah, but when I'm conscious of it, and when I look at myself in the mirror, or I'm actually when I walk, and mm-hmm. I can see my shadow, and I can see myself. Yes, you can see it. It's like okay. Yeah, I need to balance this back up and be conscious that yes. I don't drop down on that side. And you know, the interesting thing about it, and this is something that I always encourage you know people to to do when we work together, is 
your body's actually very smart for doing that. It's not actually out to punish you. It's not out to be like like an enemy to you. It's doing that because it's adaptive. It's doing that because it is both efficient because you've done it forever. So it's efficient and we love efficiency because our brain uses up a lot of energy and so does movement. Um, But it also happened to keep you safe. It happened because you, and you've also been told by this professional that this is never going to be the same. So you need to be careful. I think that, you know, providers, and I put movement teachers in that category as well, we have to be careful about the language that we use because anybody who is in a position of authority that tells you, hey, you're not going to be able to use your body very well, you know, like, okay, yeah, I guess I I'm not, it's you know. And, and for 20 years, yeah, I believed her. It's an earworm and it's like it affects, because that's the thing, your brain, this idea that, that movement is an output, it's an output that kind of like takes into account a whole bunch of stuff, including the things you believe. So if you believe that you are fragile, you will move in a way that reflects that belief of fragility. If you believe that you are, um, you know, unable to do something, you will prove that to yourself because that is part of the thing that's getting processed by your brain to determine what the output's going to be. So a huge part of this is about learning to trust ourselves and to trust our body too, because we've been trained like not to ultimately at the end of the day. So, you know, and and the goal is not perfection. And that's something that I always talk about too, because we can get really caught up in just trying to fix ourselves and be perfect. And that's not the goal. You know, you might have that limp forever and that's actually okay. So what do you do then that allows you to experience the greatest amount of ease within the context of what is present for you. Yep. You know, I do limp as a little bit as well. Like not a limp, I wouldn't call it a limp, but I spend more time weighted on one foot than the other. Like if I was to measure how how much time I spend on one foot, more time is spent on one than the other. Um, that is what it is. And it's it's about kind of befriending those parts of ourselves too and then being like, okay, but what do I need to do to nurture myself and to be conscious of that so that I can balance as best I can but it's not a end point it's a it's a process that basically continues forever um which is not how we think of movement or exercise either we think of like well if I do this for 30 days or 60 days or 90 days then I'm done and it's like but also it's going to be the body's language literally till the day you die so you you know we want it to be a sustainable practice too Mm. It's amazing that my limp seems to upset other people more than it upsets me. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> every time, every time I see people, oh, you're limping. Oh, am I? Because mm. when I'm when I'm limping, and it's not a massive limp. When I the yeah. other hip used to be a really bad limp, but it, when I'm limping, I'm not in pain. Mm. And so, that's why we say your body's so clever. Yeah, that's right. Are there things that you could do that would support you to maybe minimize it or to experience less pain if you didn't limp? Yes. But also, thank you, body, for being yeah. clever enough to figure this out. That's right. Because your body yeah. is, is always working for you. Even if the outcome is pain, it's still doing it because it's... Yeah, that's right. As soon as I get pain and when I'm walking, so I do long hikes on Sunday... Mm. Um, and I get to a stage so I can go a certain distance and then all of a sudden pain hits in. And what I know at that stage is I'm no longer firing off my glutes. Yes. And I'm not holding my core. Yeah. And so I then, and I actually have to stop and I, I, I do a few hip openers mm. and focus on, because basically my glutes have got tired by that stage, which is why, and then it kind of throws everything into my hips. But I, I now know that when I get to that stage, I need to stop 
Yes. And I need to focus. I need to open the hips out. I just did a few movements, relax, and then get the, the reactivate the glutes. And sometimes I walk around putting myself on the back. <laughs> Hello, are you there? Do you know that one of the other things up. one of the other things you can do is and it depends a little bit on where you where you are because obviously turning your back hiking is not always the best plan. But change just changing something about what you're doing, walking backwards, walking yes. sideways, stuff like that can really change it because you know if you think of movement as being a conversation with yourself change the conversation because yeah. you know after a little while the same the same movements a bit like white noise right so how do you kind of interject on that conversation with some new language and this new languages time i've it. heard that this week oh really I was listening to another podcast with a physio that works specifically for people who have been diagnosed with osteoarthritis but want to continue a, a hiking or oh. adventuring and her big thing was learn to walk backwards and learn to walk sideways. We need to, because we're so much yeah. on the forward plane, yep. we need to start moving in different directions. And because, yes. you know, Yvonne Shepard um, yes. from Women's Fitness Australia, that's who I hike with. And yes. that's one of the things we do in functional fitness. Yes. We do a lot of sideways movements because we're not used to moving sideways because as humans, we move Forward. we move forward yeah and i try to end forward. most of my walks walking up there's a big hill on the way home and i try to walk backwards up that yeah. hill every time i, I started because doing it that in the backyard things. the other day yeah. I, was like, I was taking the rubbish out i went okay i'll do this sideways yes and then when i come back to get the next lot of rubbish i do it backwards <laughs> i love that but it's and i mean it is just that it's just variability your body loves variability yeah and and i think of it as um like evidence gathering you know if you think of um if your brain is in control of what's going to be outputted, then we want to give your brain the best evidence we can of the, how robust your movement capacity is. Yeah. That doesn't mean you have to do anything crazy, but like, what haven't you done? Right. So like, I think of it in terms of like, when we're sitting here too, you probably start to notice that your shoulders start to get tight. I keep dropping them down, you know, and it's like, I can feel it across sort of the back of my shoulders. And so I, then I'm like, well, I haven't moved them for a while. That tension isn't your body packing out on you or how whatever you know whatever the language is packing it in on you that's the one um it is your body saying like what's going on we haven't moved for a while mm. when we change the input the output will change and um you know it's not always it's not always quite as simple as that but it, i mean ultimately it is just this simple conversation and and so we have to just make sure that we're being a good conversational partner and kind of contributing to that conversation with some varied movement because that's what your body loves um but we are very you know we sit and then we get up and we walk forward and we sit down again and we get up and we walk forward and we don't tend to move our head like so there's all these things that we're doing that you know, it's not, again, it's not intended to be, to be guilt or shame inducing, but just like, if you want to kind of move through that lens of kindness, like, what does that look like right now? Yeah. What do you need? Um, yeah. So I very first, when I very first heard you talk about somatics and everything, I was, I was actually hiking with my headphones in listening to your <laughs> podcast. I love that. And you did this little exercise where basically it was what you just spoke about before, holding the shoulders up, and then just letting them melt like butter. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And I went, oh, wow, that feels so good. You know, because yes. I was trucking along. And because um, when I hike, this particular day, I didn't have hiking sticks because it was just up the back from my house. But I normally have hiking poles. Ah. Um, and so I tend to hold. And if I have a backpack on as well, because mm -hmm. so, I carry water, so I have a backpack on. So I'll be carrying, you know, five, seven kilos mm. and the hiking poles. And I... I know that I get so tight here within the neck 
because yes. I'm holding it, you know, and I hold onto the pole so tight, particularly if I'm kind of going over all these rocky bits <laughs> and I don't want to lose my balance. Not quite so bad at that now because my balance is a lot better. Mm. But, you know, every so often, once again, it's like, oh, just relax. Mm. Relax. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you just, you just, you don't, you know, as we're sitting here, I just keep, as you're talking, yeah. your voice is always, so, your, your voice is like butter. <laughs> oh, I love that. Do you know, I, I grew up very self-conscious of my voice because I was born in Canada. And when we moved to Australia, I was six years old and I got teased a lot for how I sounded. And so it's only been in recent years, I get, I do get told that a lot, that people like the sound of my voice. And I'm like, it's so interesting to me because I spent such a long time not wanting to be heard because my voice got teased all the time because I had a weird accent and then if I went back to Canada I had a weird accent there so it's so funny <laughs> no you're, you're it is like that it just like melts oh I love that thank you and because and, that's it's just like that melting feeling of the muscles and I, until I did that that day I mean I've you know I've tightened muscles before and I've released them mm. but it was that it was the melt because that's, that's the that's the thing that's different. taking the time yeah. to melt yes and it's different in, you know, we, there's muscle, progressive muscle relaxation is where you do the tight and then release. It's not, it's not a melt. It's literally just tight and then let go. And I think the difference is the, the focus that we bring to it, because when you're trying to make a movement smooth, you know, we've got a literal representation of our body and our brain and the, there are, you know, very specific sections of our brain that represent specific parts of our body. And so when we can understand that, what we realize is that when we're paying attention to a particular part of our body, like your shoulders, when you pay attention to that, you are, it's almost like you're getting a, a, you know, a pen or a gray lid and you're reinforcing the edges of that part of your representation of your map in your brain. You are making it clearer. And by making it clearer, you're, you're changing the way that you're those, you know, your body and your brain relate. And I think this is the thing that's really cool when we start to kind of just look at like what's actually happening when we move, we come to appreciate that your body's just doing exactly what it should be. Like, you know, the the tension that's happening, it's, it's happening because your brain's kind of being like, well, nothing's happened for a while. That, that tension is a signal to do something different. Um, But we can just see it as this thing that's like, just out to make us annoyed, right? Like this is really interfering with my time right now so like like women and their hormones too (laughs) yes exactly exactly I know you know but it's like so then it's you know and I know you're big on that too it's like once we know stuff it changes you know I I think I'm much more capable of being kind to myself when I know why my body's doing something because Mm. you know you've got that compassion to be able to say well like thank you for doing that I get it but also Yeah. It's like a different that's, outcome now. That's, kind of, that's what has always been my driver before I was a naturopath and everything. It's like the body knows what I just, I always had this innate knowing. I don't know where it came mm. from, that the body knows what to do. We just yeah. have to give it the right environment and the right tools. And it's like, as I, you know, I've always, I'm always looking at when, when I work with um, personal trainers and I kind of, I do, I visualize my muscles. And when they mm. say to do something, I kind of focus and I say, okay, when I do a curl, I can see the muscle coming up. And then when I release it, I can see the muscle relaxing. And I can actually visual, I see yeah. that happening in my head. Yes. And, and, and if someone tries to say, oh, do this movement, if I can't visualize how that's happened in my head, mm. I can't do it. Because mm, for many, many years, I mean, this is, this is relatively recent being doing this, but 
for many years, I was so disconnected from my body that I didn't know what my body was doing. And I used to Mm. once, you know, I used to go and lift these heavy weights and I wasn't, it was, the game was to lift as much as you possibly could, not to use the right muscles in the right way. So I am very good at cheating and that's Mm -hmm. kind of what's got me where I am now because I do have a lot of strength in my body. So instead of, you know, doing a particular where I'm supposed to be using one set of muscles, mm-hmm. I was using another set of muscles and around my hips and my glutes or mm-hmm. on that. It's like now it's like now I stop going, which muscle is working? What's the point here? Yeah, yes. yeah. And, and that's such a big deal too because the intention behind a movement is going to change how you yes. execute on it. Um, you know, if it's lift the heaviest thing at all costs, then, yeah, like you could do that any old way you like. But if the goal is to strengthen that hip or the goal is to strengthen your, your biceps or the, the goal is something else, then, yeah, you want to be intentional about how you're executing on that. Otherwise, you're not doing what you think. <laughs> um which can be frustrating when you are disconnected from yourself because you don't know what you're supposed to feel. And I think that that's where we, um, you know, then sort of maybe outsource our Yeah, we our expect someone else trust. to fix us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I know because that, uh, that was another one of your podcast episodes, which um, I really love listening to because as a practitioner, when I first started as in practice as a naturopath, I thought it was my job to fix every client that walked in the door. And yeah. do you know how stressful that is? And how possible also. <laughs> how that burnt me out so many times. Yeah. Because I took that responsibility on. But then other people allowed me to do that. And I and I still to this day, and I have clients yeah. who go, Well, I want you to fix me. And I go, actually, no, I'm not going to fix you. Yeah. Not my role to fix you. What I will do is I'll provide you with the information. It's up to you to work out how you can make that work in your life and whether you will make it work. I'll just give you the advice. That's right. You can't, you can't make anyone do anything. But, but the model that we, that we exist in suggests that we yeah. are not the experts in ourselves and it suggests that somebody else does need to fix you. Um, you know, and I think that any practitioner who, who leads you to believe that that is true walk out immediately yeah, and, and then, so there, um, it is, it's the medical model it's very it much is the medical model and look like, I'm, you know this pill it'll fix you up it's like yeah and like i like i said i live in that space in between so i absolutely see a you know i see oh the there's need, totally a space you know like model, absolutely yeah. like I know that there's been certain times in my life where i've been on medication that like that needed to happen so I'm not like suggesting that the medical model is is should just be thrown out, but the medical model is absolutely influenced by the patriarchy. And, you know, this system that we live in that does not put the locus of control or responsibility on us as individuals. Mm. And that shouldn't feel like a burden, you know, like that idea that we are responsible for ourselves, I think maybe just feels burdensome. Whereas I, I my hope is that it will come to feel more, liberating more empowering more um obvious to us because you know we know far more than we give ourselves credit for but we literally have been trained not to believe it you know the number of times that clients will say to me like am I doing this right and I'm like what do you feel you know like what does it feel like there are so many ways to get this right not very many ways to get it wrong and the only way that you're going to get it wrong is if you are literally ignoring what your body is is telling you um and even then is it wrong or are you, or are you learning? I don't know, you know? So the, this whole idea of like, there's one right way. 
gets in our way so often because we just want to be, and you know, it's, it's a desire for perfectionism, which again is tied up into the, you know, that model of, of power over people, um, which I could talk about for days, but you know, we, <laughs> we, podcast for that one. <laughs> that's right. That's probably a whole other thing, but I think, you know, it's, and, and we have to tiptoe our way into this. So this is why I think we end up with coaches. We end up with people who do the work, to support us to figure these things out. It's not about, because that's sometimes I think what people hear. It's like, oh, but hang on now, I have to figure this out all on my own. No, of course you don't. But just understand that when you work with someone to support you to do these things, you are the one taking responsibility for yourself. And and all these people who come to support you, they are like acting as, um, I like to think of it as like tour guides, you know, like maybe take a, maybe have a look over here and see what you think and, and you know, it's just a different way. And I think it takes us some time to get comfortable with that because it's not what we've grown up experiencing. It's not what we've been told is kind of like the way. So, so tell everybody about your podcast. Yes. So I have a podcast. Um, I recently changed the name of it. So I do remember what it's called. I did a podcast interview this morning. It was like literally draw blank. Didn't know what it was called. Um, but it's called Self-Kind with Erica Webb. And it's um, talking about all things self-kindness through that lens of self-kindness. So we talk about movement, we talk about mindset um, and yeah, just sort of how to, to be more kind to ourselves, to be in that relationship and what it looks like in a real lived way, not this kind of like idealized fashion, but like, what is it actually like to live in that, in that vein? Um, I don't make any, any uh, promises to be a perfect human. I'm, you know, that's, that's just not what I do. So it's like the warts and all version, I guess, of, of, of self-kindness. Um, Very good podcast. It's really good. Thank you. In the middle of nowhere, just wandering around. <laughs> I love just listening to your voice. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I have guests on and Angela's um, episodes coming up on my podcast as well. So it's kind of a combination of me and, and people that um, are doing cool stuff in the world as well. Now, people want to work with you. So yes, tell people how they can work with you because you do all this stuff online. People don't know how to have to turn, turn up at your studio or anything like that. They can do it from home. Correct. Yes. So I run a um, I run the Self Kind Hub, which is like an online uh, portal for somatics, Pilates, uh, yoga. It's kind of a fusion of stuff. Um, we get guest masterclass uh, hosts in as well, and um, that's all done online. So you can find out about that um, on my website, which is just ericaweb.com.au. Um, and I do work with people one on one on on um, Zoom as well. So I. I, you know, can support people to do this stuff one-on-one too, if it's not a group sort of situation that they're looking for, but everything that's, I mean, it's not even a group situation. It's just a DIY. You go in and you, um, you find the content that you need, but, and I'm very active over on Instagram. So if anybody um, has questions and they just are like, I don't know if this is for me, but I want to chat with you or have a question, um, reach out to me on Instagram. I, um, you know, that's my sort of like virtual home. So yeah, Erica's reels. She does some good reels. <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not afraid of making a little bit of a fool of myself. So yeah, you'll find me dancing over on Instagram uh, any day of the week. <laughs> I need to get some lessons of you. I'm. I'm just not. I'm, I haven't got there yet. I don't that know was, how you I come think, up with the ideas. That was one of my the the kindest things I've ever done for myself was giving me myself permission to just like be who I am, which is this girl who wears dinosaur earrings and dances on Instagram apparently. So um <laughs> the work transcends just movement i'm not there yet i'm not there yet 
Um, now there was something else I was going to say. Oh, we, I will put all the all Erica's links in the show notes. Um, oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, with the masterclasses and the guest. I'm going to say the jaw. You we just you just put up the jaw. It's good, isn't it? Now I've actually been having really issues. a lot of issues with my jaw because I've been holding it so for some reason mm-hmm. I don't know why been holding it tight but that was a fantastic so good isn't it just to and I keep walking around pulling my jaw down yeah oh, I know I've been doing it I've been doing it regularly I'm a jaw clencher that's if I'm feeling tense that's where I hold my tension and I haven't and, done it in the past but now I'm noticing uh, that I am. this is the other thing that happens is you start to notice things that you maybe didn't know you were doing yeah. before because all of a sudden your awareness is so much more kind of sharp and you're like wow have I all like I I clench my pelvic floor too and oh, I'll be yeah. like so you know you start to notice things you're like have I always have I always done this and so it's kind of interesting but I was a ballet dancer I've always had to everything that that has caused me issues now as I've got older as well because yes my pelvic floor at the back is too tight yes which is such a common thing everyone thinks that it's all got to be tight but it actually doesn't need to be tight no needs to move but we've all been told to hold in and suck in forever. Yeah. And so we've been holding in and sucking in like we were told to. And now we're like chronically now we're tight. Relax. Now we've got to Exactly. Like, and they're like, but you should be able to chill too. And you're like, but you told me to be tense. So I don't know what to do now. How to relax your pelvic floor is not easy. It's not. It's not. Um, I'm right there with you. That's a, that's that's my current focus as well. And it's... Um, Actually, I know. have to say, when I do your classes, that's what I always focus on is making sure that my pelvic floor is relaxed yeah relax don't yeah it's but it's you know whenever we're holding like that it's our body looking for security and safety like that's that's the like that's how we so it's kind of that's why we send ourselves love you know that that sense of self-kindness and compassion too because when we're tense we don't you know that that's happening for a reason and so if we beat ourselves up over it we're just going to make ourselves more tense if we can offer ourselves kindness that in itself can help us to bring the tension down so yeah Thank you so much. I think that's a beautiful place to end today. Self-kindness. We all need more self-kindness. Give ourselves, just be okay with ourselves exactly as we are right now. Yeah. Thank you you so so much, much. Erica. It's been fantastic chatting with you and I'll be back. We'll be back in class soon. Amazing. (laughs) Such a pleasure. Bye. Bye. Bye.